Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast on the 9th of May, Budget Day today. This is general advice only, not to be confused with advice suited to your personal financial circumstances. It is most certainly not. Budget Day today, experience tells me that the budget rarely drives the market as a whole. It can have specific provisions in it which impact on individual stocks, most often consumer stocks if there is a lot of fiscal spending. This time around, we're expecting a $1 billion budget surplus, first budget surplus since, what was it, 2008? And that is largely thanks to resources earnings being taxed, and that is thanks to the Chinese economic resurrection this year and a rally in the iron ore price and other commodity prices as well. It is seen by most strategists as a temporary affair. And if the government goes all out and overspends on the back of a good few months, then it'll be making a mistake. But we will see what happens. A lot of politics, obviously. But as I say, not expecting it to drive the market. Of more relevance at the moment is going to be the US CPI number on Wednesday night, so Thursday morning our time. The inflation and interest rate obsession is quietly, thank goodness, fading quietly, but we are still talking about it in the absence of other things to talk about. The chances of a rate rise at the June 14th FOMC meeting, so the current rate is 5% to 5.25%. On June the 14th, it is 90.3% expected to stay there. These These are not bets or gambling. This is simply, you can imply these percentages from what bond yields are doing at the moment. So these percentages are a statistical, empirical calculation based on what the bond market is doing with future interest rates. So the bond market implies a 90% chance of rates staying as they are. There is a 9.7% chance of them being raised again. Interestingly, if you go out to December, you can get all these numbers on the Google CME FOMC, and you will find there's a website run by CME Group that does all these calculations for you. So if you go out to the FOMC meeting on the 13th of December, you will see that there is only a 1% chance of rates being where they are now and a 99% chance that by the end of the year, interest rates will have been cut. And that includes an almost 50% chance that they will be cut from 5% to 4.25%. So three interest rate cuts by the end of the year. Anyway, clearly we are somewhere near the peak. We do have this inflation number to get over on Wednesday. And there is also an inflation number, I think, the day before the June 14th FOMC meeting. And there's also a jobs number to come in the middle. And they are data dependent. So they do matter, these numbers. Hopefully it won't knock us off off our course. Well, hopefully it will, because our current trend seems to be down. Not in the US. It's quite a positive market trend at the moment. I will come to that in a minute. Let me just cover the ideas portfolio, which has which has been relabeled the no ideas portfolio at the moment. When this 
sorry, when the market is running, I am absolutely flooded with fabulous ideas. And you will find I usually limit it at about 10. But this section will fill itself up extremely quickly, usually with about 10 ideas, most of which make money. And the game is not so much playing those individual stocks, but spotting when the market turns turtle again. At the moment, it's empty because the market trend is flat to down. We don't have a lot of momentum. We haven't powered towards our all-time high, as we had hoped. We have stalled. So no ideas at the moment. Last week, of course, we sold our dividend strips, thankfully, just before the results from NAB. We sold ANZ, Westpac and NAB. And the share prices didn't respond well over results, which was good for us having sold them. But I would just point out as a side note to the ideas section, whilst the NAB went ex-dividend Sorry, NAB goes ex-dividend tomorrow. ANZ on the 15th, Macquarie on the 15th. Westpac should be in that list as well. Let me just work that out. Westpac ex-dividend on May the 11th. That's not in my list at the moment. My source is running a day behind time. So we have NAB going ex-dividend tomorrow. So you can still buy it today. Westpac ex-dividend on Thursday. And ANZ ex-dividend on Monday. Macquarie ex-dividend on Monday. So you can still pick up all the best dividends. They are now de-risked. They've had a bit of a share price correction. And if you're not concerned about the current trend, which is a bit floppy sideways to down, if you're more long term, then this is the moment to buy them just before they go ex-dividend. The NAB is going to yield 3.1% in one dividend. ANZ 3.4, Macquarie 2.6. Haven't got Westpac there at the moment. I wouldn't be buying them to make money, as in I wouldn't be trading them in the ideas portfolio at the moment because... The trends are generally sideways to down. The stocks usually flop after they go ex-dividend, especially in a market that isn't rising. And the market trend is sort of against us at the moment. And we have this regional banking sector crisis could blow up. So I wouldn't be buying them short term to make money, but just making the point the dividends are due in the next few days. And if you're long term, this would be the moment to buy them. You'll have to wait six months otherwise. The other thing in the ideas portfolio is something I pointed out in the weekend newsletter that Pilbara Minerals keeps going up. It's outperformed mineral resources by 30% in the last month. Mineral resources has its own problems, but it does sort of feel like somebody's buying maybe a stake in Pilbara Minerals. Henry's written it up as the next bid target after Liontown. Rio, of course, had their AGM last week saying we're not paying high prices for lithium assets, which, yes, maybe you aren't, but you would say that if you were, and it makes it clear that you're interested in lithium assets one way or another. So uh, Pilbara Minerals is overbought at the moment. Every day I look at it, I think, oh, I've missed it. Then he goes up the next day. I'm not buying it. It, it'll have a setback at some point. If they don't if they don't get bid for, then they will come back again. It's a bit frothy. If it gets bid for, I've missed it. Henry may have caught it, but I haven't. Anyway, otherwise, the ideas portfolio empty. The Macquarie portfolio, have a read. I've written up the Macquarie results. Results are on Friday. We, of course, have this one-stock portfolio, which only trades Macquarie. We're in Macquarie or cash. At the moment, we're in cash. There is nothing in those results, and it, and it all agrees with my initial interpretation of their results. There is nothing in the results research from brokers that would tell us to buy Macquarie particularly. There is 
One broker, UBS, has a buy recommendation. Otherwise, they're hold neutral ad and overweight. Morgan Stanley's got an overweight with a target price 23% above the current share price. UBS, 15% above the current share price. But have a look at the chart. Trend is against us. It is come a dividend on Monday. 2.6% yield, was it? It's yielding 4.6%, including franking for the full year. But in the research, target price dropped by 7%, 7 7.4%, 7.9%, 5.5%. One broker downgraded earnings by 9% and 10% for the next two years. Another 9% and 12% for the next two years. The interpretation of the results is obvious. The Commodities in Global Markets and Global Markets Division, CGM, saw its profit up 54%, and that offset the underperformance from all the other divisions. And the suggestion is that the visibility of earnings from CGM, in other words, the reliability is low, and one broker forecasts the CGM earnings contribution to drop 40% in 2024. They can't really make that forecast. It's a volatile division. Depends what happens, of course, but they have to guess something. And because of the dependence on earnings from the commodities and global markets trading division and the Macquarie Asset Management division, one broker describes the results as lacking quality, even though they were better than expected. And the net recommendations are a bit of a mixed bag. All I have to tell you is that there is nothing in there which says buy and we are timing the stock and there is nothing in the trend that says buy at the moment either. So still in cash. We're waiting for a big pivot point, not a momentary rally. Speaking of momentary rallies, BHP's had a better better week up from $43 to $45. It's down a little bit today, but the big trend is still down. I haven't bought it. I'm not going to buy it until the iron ore price starts to improve for a decent reason. It needs a solid backdrop. At the moment, the backdrop to the iron ore price is that the Chinese reopening trade is stalling. So the iron ore price, which has gone up for six months, it bottomed in November, peaked a month ago and has come down since then. So BHP is not a buy. It's going to follow the iron ore price around. The macro backdrop is a bit dull. It can change pretty quickly. We'll wait for that change. But again, no major pivot point on BHP yet. Now, the most exciting bit today is what I've done in the strategy portfolio. I will not run through it all because it'll take a while. I should probably do a separate podcast. But I'm selling the A200 ETF, which is the Better Shares Australia 200 ETF, matches the ASX 200. I'm selling that, which will take me out of Australia effectively. We've still got a REIT ETF, but I wonder why we're holding it so slow moving. But anyway, mind you, we have made 11% on it. But selling the A200 Better Shares Australia ETF and buying FANG. Why would I buy FANG? FANG is so yesterday. Netflix, Facebook, it's now meta. And Netflix is a bit of a busted flush. But let me tell you why. Read the strategy section today. It is all to do with AI. Microsoft smashed its earnings forecast with recent results. Big tech has had a fabulous results season. And a lot of it is down to AI. 
The Microsoft share price went up 9% on the results. All the other AI providers went higher. Microsoft's cloud computing unit revenue was up 31%. This is Microsoft. This is one of the biggest companies in the world seeing revenue up 31% from one of its divisions and its intelligent cloud revenue up 16%. Personal computing revenue is down 9%. This is a major, AI is a major growth future. I do believe there is a chance that we are on the cusp of an industrial revolution equivalent in AI. As I say in the article, I was born in 1955. Sorry, I wasn't born in 1955. I was born in 1961. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were born, both born in the same year, 1955. In order to be a computer billionaire, you had to be born at the right time. 1955 was it. They both built operating systems. They were born at the right time to slot into the computer age. Six years later, I remember I was at school and I was given the option to do computer science. But I chose geography instead because I spent my early life thinking it was cool to do as little as possible and computer science sounded just too hard. And all I can remember is the the guys, the boys, yes, I went to a boys-only boarding school, the boys that did it seemed to do little more than produce Babbage cards. Remember those? You probably don't remember those. Although, actually, you probably do remember those. Probably my age. Anyway, I'm sure all those boys, and I. one of the regrets of my life in hindsight is that computer science, I was perfect for it because I loved the logic. I, I'm creative, and this was programming in its creative infancy, and I missed my opportunity because I was too cool for school. I'm sure we've all made dumb choices in our lives in hindsight. Anyway, point was, I was there at the right time, in the right place, made the wrong choice. But there's some good news. We have a second chance. We are alive today. Just think about this. AI, whilst it's probably been around for a decade decade in various forms, but AI has only been available to us for free since December 2022. We are at the absolutely embryonic moment of AI. And we've been given it free at the moment because I don't know whether you've ever used ChatGPT, but if you type into ChatGPT, you'll realize that at this point, AI does not have common sense. So I had a bit of a laugh typing in something which was pointed out to me in an AI TED talk. If you tell ChatGPT that you have a 12-liter jug and a 6-liter jug and a tap, how do you measure out six liters of water? And what it will do is tell you to fill the 12 liter jug, pour it into the six liter jug, then empty the six liter jug, pour the rest of the water into the six liter jug, and then you will have six liters of water. When of course the the real answer is fill up the six liter jug. So it's not very clever. It doesn't have common sense. And this is the problem. You can't put AI into a robot or a gun uh, if it doesn't have common sense. It may not know that it can't kill humans. And even if you tell it you can't kill humans maybe it's going to go and cut down every tree in the world watch a few of the ted talks very interesting stuff anyway the bottom line is we've been giving it free so we can teach it common sense and these what are called language learning models, artificial intelligence, they are basically building a brain out of silicon chips. So you have what's called a GPU farm, which is stacks and stacks and stacks of silicon chips constantly expanding, which, by the way, it's super environmentally unfriendly. Apparently, you can take a heat map of the US and you would know exactly where to land your anti-AI missiles because you 
you just hit the hot spots in, in America. Anyway, the point being, it is very expensive to be in the AI game. Small companies can't do it. Yes, there are millions of programmers right now who are going to become billionaires because they write an app using AI, but the AI foundation is going to be four or five significant GPU farms, and they are owned by OpenAI, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon. We're on the verge of an industrial revolution, an AI revolution. Those are the five companies that have the most exposure. The last results season has proven that this is not a red herring. It is a significant earnings source. And I think we should be exposed to it. I also think that big tech is recovering from last year's carnage and still probably has a long way to go without AI anyway. Amazingly, if you search up, as I did, ETFs that give you AI exposure in Australia, you get some weird and wacky ETFs trying to be clever in a host of companies you've never heard of when the main game is to buy Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Google and OpenAI which is going to be Microsoft anyway one day by the looks of it. So you would buy at this point a conservative Australian investor doesn't need to get any smarter, I don't think, than buying the NASDAQ and FANG+. Plus. So FANG is the code, F-A-N-G. And it's not about Netflix. It only holds, FANG only holds 10 companies, NVIDIA, Meta, Microsoft, Apple, Snowflake, Alphabet, Amazon, Netflix, Advanced Micro, and Tesla. It has all the major AI. AI companies in it and is as good as we can get at this point in time if you don't want to play earningsless startups. So today, in recognition of the fact that the Australian economy is about banks, which are no growth, 25%, resources, which are volatile, and the rest, who are servicing mostly a small economy of crusty old Australians, we are better to play the US and to play AI. So I have switched the A200 ETF into FANG this morning. It'll take a while for me to do the spreadsheet, so that'll be updated tomorrow morning. But it will mean that 90%, and it probably should be 100%, I don't know why we're still holding a, an ETF over a REIT sector, but we are going to be 90% exposed to the US at this point in time. Now, this is a bit of a long-term call, isn't it, to say we need to invest in the AI revolution. There will doubtless be hiccups on the way. Our main risk is significant market correction, in which case we will just exit everything. You have to time the market. We'll have to temporarily abandon our long-term assumptions if the market loses its mind for a moment, but it will be temporary. So the game is timing stocks that are moving from bottom left to top right. If that's the case, then big tech should be moving bottom left to top right by AI, by the cloud. And this change is going also going to provide us with a good reason to continue our investigation or my investigation of AI on a daily basis. I feel a bit like Forrest Gump. If you remember, he picked up a letter at one point from Apple and he told his colleague that he was investing in some kind of fruit company. And the suggestion is that if with his gump shrimp money, $100,000, if he'd invested that in Apple, it would now be worth $7 billion. So let's hope we're on the right track. Right, there you go. Spent far too long on this podcast. Henry today talks about Appen. 4DX after its capital raise. There's a share purchase plan coming up. He covers a couple of announcements. 
once again has a section on lithium and Morgan Stanley had a bit of research out talking about turning points in the lithium market. Lots of brokers upgrading Linus LYC today. One broker has upped its target price 32%. The resources conference, RIU resources conference is on in Sydney this week. I think Henry will go along to see a few companies. Lion Towns there. I'll be looking to see Latin Resources, LRS, which is the stock R12 million dollar man, now a 60 million dollar man. R12 million dollar man has shifted to. He hasn't shifted to. He's just bought some Latin Resources. I hold it as well. And he is on the call today talking about 10 stocks. And he writes once again, no artificial intelligence was used in the creation of his section. I'm thinking if we do use AI, we should probably put it in italics or something because I used AI today to list the companies most exposed to AI. Maybe I will put that in brackets. Maybe that should be our rule. Anyway, there we go. So we're sitting waiting for the budget tonight. As I say, it shouldn't be a market driver, but you never know. NAB, ex-dividend tomorrow. Earlier today, I had the wrong, I said NAB. NAB's already gone ex-dividend. Uh, I have corrected that in the newsletter. Don't worry about it. But if you got misled that NAB was ex-dividend already, it isn't. It goes ex-dividend tomorrow. Fairly important distinction, that one. That is now correct in the newsletter. And Westpac, Macquarie and ANZ coming up to their ex-dividend dates. As I leave you, the market is asleep, down 26 points. Every sector is now down a little bit. Infotech, the best performing sector. Energy, the worst. Banks, down. CBA, down 0.7% on its update. Westpac, down 1.9% after results yesterday. That's about it. Floppy stuff. You have a fabulous day. Hope you enjoyed my strategy piece today. I will be back tomorrow. In fact, I might not be back on Thursday. I am at the ASA conference. I find it a bit difficult to write on a laptop in a hotel. I will do my best. I'll probably just do the bones of it on Thursday and Friday. Back properly for the weekend email. But ASA conference and RIU resources conference in Sydney, a bit of a focus this week. I'll speak to you tomorrow.